0: Top Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Subscribe on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on uh, PulpHockey.com. We really appreciate the downloads, the listens. Go ahead and uh, give us a rating and a ranking if you want. Uh, We've been enjoying these things. Uh, Jim Fox coming up, Gord Stellick coming up, and, of course, uh, Grant Fuhr, Kelly Rudy. A few more uh, that that we just did, so we appreciate it. The two-under underwear, the number two UNDR, the best man's underwear out there. A lot of NHL guys are using it now. Use the code FERRARO20. To save yourself money at 2under.com. And Board, are you fumbling around with old-school hockey r- whiteboards that won't erase? Tired of drawing plays over plexiglass? The solution is here, rightyboard.com. They're a, a portable, restickable hockey whiteboard that sticks to virtually any sur- surface. And uh, peel it off, slap it up in the locker room, take it down, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's got patented foam technology in it. So check out uh, rightyboards.com. Use the code PULP to save yourself 50% on that. A guy on the line right now that could probably use one of these rowdy boards. He is a former NHL or Memorial Cup winner. He uh, spent a long time in the league, scored uh, over, 500, five, over 500 games, scored over uh, a bunch of goals, and um, now doing a development, uh, elite player development school in Calgary. He is a former Winnipeg Jet, Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington, Washington Capital, among others. Pat Elenek.
2: Pat, what's going on? Thanks for doing the show. Hey, thanks for uh, inviting me on the show and uh I'm sitting in Calgary right now. We're uh, having a pretty good day in Calgary and uh, getting excited to see the NHL back on uh, stream after the All-Star game.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm getting pumped, too, right? I'm a Leaf fan, so, I mean, they've kind of been going in the skids for a while. But still, it's good things. Calgary's up and down. The Flames have been up and down. Do you get a chance to watch much of them go to the games?
2: Follow them pretty close. Uh, You know, just being in Calgary here, there's Mm -hmm. lots of talk on the talk shows. uh, Right you know they certainly had everybody revved up from last year's performance when they made the playoffs and they went around in the playoffs and uh you know it's been a little bit uh, obviously up and down season but i you know for sure mm-hmm. they headed in the right direction they got some really uh dynamic players to watch obviously yeah. uh, like to watch the goodrow and uh, monahan's and uh brody and um and uh, Giordano on defense, so uh, you know they got some pieces. Yeah. Uh, you know everything's never straight up, and they're going to have their ups and downs. And uh, hopefully, they can uh, patch it all together and uh, make a good run and make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to uh, to watch him. Goudreau is just phenomenal, um, just an amazing player. And, and it's funny that you know too small can't make it. The old the old thing that you always hear, and then the guy's just just amazing. And he's so small. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, being a skills coach, uh, mm-hmm. after I retired, I uh, got into skill development, and, uh, you know, he's a player, you know, you got to step back and say to yourself, you know, whatever size he is, I'm not sure his exact mm-hmm. height and weight, but... You know, to play against the speed of the game today and the size of the game today and be able to always have the puck, always be able to get to white ice, uh, make plays pretty easily, like he's a threat every time he gets mm-hmm. on the ice. Uh, he can retrieve the puck back very quickly. Uh, so, you know, you got to really, from my pers- perspective, you really got to break it down, break a guy down like John right. Monroe and see how his uh, angles and his agility and, you know... Um, his range of motion, both uh, you know, side to side and depth, uh, how we can make these things happen. So it's been a pretty exciting time for I don't know being a skills coach in Calgary because yeah. there's lots of product to watch.
1: Yeah, really, right? Uh, com is the site, and like I said, your elite player development, uh, you run an elite player development school in Calgary, and this is something. <clears throat> pardon me, I've noticed in the last, oh I don't know, maybe five or six years, you see. Uh, Tavares, Crosby, Taylor Hall, they have skill coaches. They're skating coaches. There's always been skating coaches. But this is something new that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've been doing it longer. But it's specifically skill-related. And, you know, a lot of people think of the Canadians as all hard up and down the wing and the Russians are the ones with the skill. But more and more players from all over are are taking classes from you, taking lessons from a guy like you. And uh, so how's it been going? And uh, talk about a little bit how you got into it.
2: Well you know if you look at the game of hockey it's so complex there's a whole bunch of things that got to come together in order to you know to be an elite player you know just from a hockey coach perspective when you get into systems and spacing and taking ice away and where you position yourself and you know over the last five or six years it changes to the four check or defensive zone covered it's a puck possession game so you know you talk about being a hockey coach—that's a lot of ground to cover mm-hmm. and teach, and get twenty guys on the ice to be court. So then, on the flip side, uh, who you inject into that hockey strategy—you know—needs to come with quick feet, a good range of motion, agility, forward-backwards transition, quick right. hands. Uh, you know, so you can start to see the complexities of being a hockey coach and a skilled coach and i think over time or maybe in the last four or five years players coaches people in the industry have figured it out Mm -hmm. and started to break down a lot of those compartments and that's where the skills coach just formed the hockey coach and so on yep and business is good yeah business is good it's i got a good range of players Uh, i usually start uh, off with Pee Wee, which is um Pee we then I get into the, the you know the Bantam triple A's mm-hmm. AAs, double A's midget triple A's uh, guys go to the junior I work uh, with crash conditioning in the summertime he has a good mix of pros uh, you know guys mm-hmm. that are in the AHL young pros uh. so yeah no I've, um, I've had uh, you know had the opportunity to get on with some really good players and some really good young players I've been able to watch them grow over the last. You know, since I started this, mm-hmm. 10, 12 years. So, some of the guys that we started in Pee Wee, uh, you know, you flick on the TV be, yeah. and you watch <laughs> them on uh, or You started in Pee Wee and then you flick on the TV and you watch them on TV. It's, yeah. uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um,
1: the, the, it, I, I, what I do for a living is I cover the sport of motocross and supercross, and uh, I'm a Canadian kid uh, down in, in Vegas. But I notice, like a lot of the new riders, they there's the same thing. Some of these old racers that were really good train these kids and talk to these kids and when i talk to the guys that used to race they're like yeah these kids don't care much about what i did in my career and some of these guys are really good and look you're memorial cup winner 30 goal scorer in the league you uh you have some nice stats do the kids ask you about it do they even you know care about it like in my sport i wish these kids would care a little bit more about a guy like yourself or these old racers you know they just don't i don't know if it's just a mentality or what but
2: that's a very good point you raise. Um, you know, I think the game is changing so fast. I think they they have so much access to information over video on the mm-hmm. internet or watching highlights or watching TV that I find the young players they're they're just you, you have to be two steps ahead of the of the recent way or new skill the way players mm-hmm. are doing things in order to get the respect of kids. You know, I don't think they've lost the history. Right. Um, history of the game, but I think they've really expanded their knowledge and, you know, being a coach I think uh, in order to get respect or get their trust you know, you have to show them or teach them something I think that they don't already know, yep. and today kids are, you know, they're the student of the games, you know, with all the you know, the positive things that are mm-hmm. going on in the sport and when they're students of the game, you know, they kids learn quickly, so um, you know, that's one thing I find working with younger players that you know they keep you on your toes, and you got to keep reinventing. You mm-hmm. know the way you teach. You know the repetitions. Uh, you know, I, one thing I got a pretty simple rule: I never, you know, do the same practice twice. I know in the past a lot of yep. coaches it was repetition, repetition, but I think you can put a little twists in it and um, modify it, modify your drills to keep the players thinking, keep it creative, you know, keep challenging um. them. And I think that's a big part of what kids like today.
1: Uh, 500 games in the NHL. Some little bit of games in the minors. What coaches or coach did you learn a lot from as a player?
2: Um, you know, I had a you know a really good uh, I had John Ferguson uh, draft me late. Like mm-hmm. John Ferguson. So you know, when I went to Winnipeg, I had Dan Maloney. I had Bob Murdoch. Uh, you know, you learn a little bit from everybody. You know the way John presented himself. You mm-hmm. know, the way he played the game. The way he approached the game. You know the winning attitude, the toughness. Uh, you know, getting the job done, fighting through adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, see, so pick things, uh, pick things like that up. You know, Rick Bonas was assistant coach there. Elaine uh, Vigneault. You know, the, the yep. energy those guys had. Uh, you know, so I kind of based my career on you know trying to learn what i could from from either it was my teammates or coaches and you know just trying and inject mm-hmm. it in your game there's a lot of stuff you learned that you just just wasn't for you and you didn't end up uh using it but there's a lo- lot of things that you know could help you along the way and just a different look and feel and right. uh, uh you know i went to washington i was coached by uh Terry Murray. Then it was Terry Crisp. uh, Mm -hmm. When We played in Ottawa. I was uh, bonus again. I think Jock Marton was there. Rick Bonus was there. Jock Marton was a really, really good coach. You know, he always had a really, you know, simple way. um, Yet the message was pretty loaded to get across and get his guys to do certain things that uh, you know that other coaches probably couldn't.
1: Right. Um, let's get in the time machine a little bit and talk about your career. We're talking to Pat Allenuck here on the uh, Pulp Hockey Podcast. Um, Fifty goal score in junior, like I said, Memorial Cup, Prince Albert Raiders, uh, eighth overall in '86 by the Jets, uh, my hometown team. Did you did you figure you'd get eighth? Was that where you were slotted? Did you want to go higher? Did you think you could go higher? How, how was the draft process for you? And what did you think when Winnipeg called your name?
2: You know, it was um, you know the draft back then. Uh, didn't nearly have the hype it <laughs> it right. is today. And, uh, you know, you kind of got an inkling. I did talk to teams, did interviews. Um, there was no combine back then. Right. Uh, but I didn't really spend a lot of time talking to Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to the draft. Yep. I Kind of, you know, your agent tells you a few things. You know, he thought I was going to go, you know, pretty high in the first round. Um, but then there's lots of good players there, you know, like, uh, Brian Leach, he went, yeah. uh, you know, later. So Leach was one, one after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he was one after me or if, I think it was a few yeah. after me. But anyway. Yep. Uh, regardless, of you know, there's this, when you go into those situations, there's you gotta just recognize that there's a lot of good players and you're one of you know a few and every team is looking for a little bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I come from the Western League, so I think, you know, it was a good fit being it was a tough league. We had a really tough team. You know, we won the Memorial Cup and, you know, kind of cut a brand for being a Raider that, you know, probably attracted uh, uh, Ferguson. <laughs>
1: Ferguson, yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, you had Manson on that team, Baumgartner. Uh, so you guys had, uh, you weren't scared to throw him. Um, yeah, yeah, no,
2: yeah. we, Terry Simpson was coach. and you know, he loved his skill, but he also, um, you know, we're getting pushed around, and he had the ability to find players that had skill, toughness, kind mm-hmm. of all of the above type players, and, you know, we were able to put it together. And, um, you know, I probably learned to score goals uh, when I was 17 with Danny Hodgson and Dave okay. Um, uh, You know, there are guys that, you know, I think, I can't really recall, but I think Pasen had seventy goals, and Hodgson was Canadian Hockey Player of the Year, and right. you know, upwards of a couple hundred points. So you know, you just had to stand back and <laughs> watch the watch the show and mm-hmm. take notes on the bench, and then you know, as I was a little bit three years younger than those guys, and uh, you know, obviously when their time moved on, then you know, I just had to go back to the notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Figure it out. So you were you're fine with the Jets drafting. Again, you're from Saskatchewan, you're playing in Prince Albert, so big deal, right? You're just moving on one one province over.
2: Yep. Uh it was a yeah. good fit for me. I got in there, didn't have a very good training camp my first year, just felt mm-hmm. I was a little bit nervous. Uh you know, the speed, the strength, the whole sure. uh you know, as any young player goes through is um uh, it's big eye opener when you go to your first pro camp and actually see how hard guys work and you know how you're competing with men and stuff. So, good eye opener. You know, went back, jigged, rejigged a few things. Uh-huh. Worked on, uh, worked on my strength, and come back the next year. And I uh, was pretty close playing. Um, what did I get? Uh, I think I played the first. I made the team yeah. training camp, and then I got hurt, and then got they had to go down to the minors and kind of bounce back and forth uh, with my injury, and then. Finally, at the end of the year, I was ready to go.
1: How was your time in Moncton? Were you frustrated or were you, I mean, because you said you broke camp with them, but um were you understanding how how it went or were you down in Moncton just, just bitter?
2: <laughs> no, no, I think Rick Bonus was a coach there, mm-hmm. and I can remember going down and, you know, it was a process of you got to develop your game, you got to build your game, and, uh, you know, I think most players know when they really can fit in and contribute, and players know where they need a little bit more time, and I just mm-hmm. felt I needed a little bit more time. And, um, you know, I, I had a pretty good run down there. I think I had 30-some games or whatever, and mm-hmm. I had 15 or 16 goals and 35 points, a point a game. And then, you know, my God finally got the call. You know, right. know, bonus called me in and says, you know, this is – your time and you know you don't think you're going to be back here (laughs) and then sure enough i went up there and i was ready to play and right um it's kind of like the detroit model you know when they inject players into their system you know i know i think they they're impactful young players like they contribute Mm -hmm. right away and i think that's what happened with me
1: yeah the uh a lot of teams an eighth overall pick a scorer like yourself they just put them in there and hope for the best and you know, there's no secret why the Red Wings have been so good. They just let these guys marinate. Although not Larkin this year, but generally speaking, you spend some time down in Grand Rapids, you know,
2: um, the way things go. Yeah, that's a, yeah. yeah, for sure, Larkin's a, you know, a, you just don't see guys like him every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so obviously, you know, he he's a very, very impactful right off the, the, the start. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't see anything you know, wrong with it, I think you've you got to have the confidence, you got to believe in yourself, and, you know, everybody develops mm-hmm. at a little bit different pace and needs more time and, and you know, a little bit more gameplay, and um, it all works out.
1: Um, your first goal, uh, who was it against? Where was it? Do you remember?
2: Your, you scored one goal in the Actually, first year? You got yeah. To, uh, yeah, I got to play. it was in Toronto, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, nice. Yeah. Popped on the ice. There's a little bit of a <laughs> transition scrum in the... Place. Ronnie Wilson picked up the puck, went wide, and I just kind of found a seam. And as soon as I got it, a quick shot in the 5-hole and beat down Bester. <laughs> no, nice, nice.
1: Um, the next year, 26 goals in 56 games, 51 points in 56 games. I don't remember – I was living in Winnipeg then. I remember it was a big deal, but I, you must have been – there must have been some Calder Trophy talk with that kind yeah, of numbers, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, in the running, I got in there um, – I had a battle and a shoulder injury all year, mm-hmm. all year. And, you know, they just, I kept on the, in, the, in the lineup. I wore a shoulder brace. I, uh, I, had, I had really good chemistry with Thomas Steen, uh, I think it's was Dougie Smale or Brent Ashton. And, you know, we were putting up pretty consistent numbers. And, uh, you know, there was some talk. Uh, sometimes in Winnipeg, the way the divisional play back then, it was, such a rugged division, with mm-hmm. Calgary, uh, then you had to go to Edmonton, you know, Vancouver, L.A., everybody was decent, right? Right. Um, so, um,
1: I remember, and I, I remember, yeah, you played with Thomas Steen, and yeah. uh, McLean was was Howard Chuck's winger, and there was lots of, I remember there was debate with, you know, the, the, the writers and everything else, and again, I'm just a kid reading this, you know, but hey, put, put Allen up with Howarchuk, you know, but um, do that. McLean's slumping. He's older. You know, this kid is the future. Did you get to play with Dale much? I don't remember.
2: Um, I played with Dale a lot on the power play. Um, You know, Dale was a player. uh, Obviously, exceptional skill. He could, you know, find white ice, protect it, you know, dipsy doodle. You just couldn't get the puck off Dale. And I think him and Paul had really good chemistry Big Mac went to the front of the net, yeah. room, and Dale found him. Right, and um, you know he—he he obviously Mac scored a lot of goals. He did. Yep. We had chemistry where Thomas and I were uh, some of our, you know, specialties was we had good passing in the neutral zone. We did a lot of given goals, mm-hmm. a little bit open ice, a little bit more finesse game than power in front of the net, like McLean did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so just. It'd it give us a couple good, uh, you know, two lines and good yep. uh, one-two punch. We, You know, Thomas and I were on the second line. We're happy with that because, you know, that's felt where we could contribute the most. And and uh, when Dale was going, it's it, it's it's pretty fun to watch.
1: Yeah, the, you look at, uh, at Thomas Steen, and there's a lot of bad Jet teams over the years. and um, But his plus-minus was always pretty good. Um, he was a guy who took, took care of both ends of center, played for a long time. Highly underrated, huh? in the grand scheme of things
2: yeah you know and you know if you look back and there was always every year when i was in winnipeg they'd always reporters would always catch wind of the most underrated players in the league and mm-hmm. he was always in the mix throughout the league as being one of the most underrated for sure he's pretty soft-spoken yeah and, you know his uh but his results sure certainly you know spoke for themselves with his plus minus and you know he's um you know the, yep. how we can distribute the puck and the speed, and you know. And when I watch his son Alex, you know that's a pretty, you know, kind of pretty similar yeah, player to what Dall- or uh, Thomas was. What you see in Alex, Alex might be a little bit more polished of uh, I think, yeah, scoring. He- you know, Thomas can certainly score, but as far as agility and quickness and and moves and stuff like that, they're you know very very similar players.
1: Did you uh, did you get along with everybody? You were a kid, of course. Uh, Howard, Chuck, some, uh, McLean, Steen—they're older at this point. You know what I mean. Um, how'd you fit in in the room and everything? How was everybody?
2: Yeah, no, the really um, it was a really good dressing room. You know, we had Randy. Kyle was a captain. Uh, you know, Randy made sure everything was in mm-hmm. order. Um, you know, I think there's a bow, always a balance, right? There's. Yep. Uh, you obviously got to enjoy yourself and feel comfortable. At the end of the day, you got to—you're there for a job to do, and you got responsibilities, and you have to win. That's yeah. why you're there. And um, you're- you know, we were uh, close in the playoffs, uh, you know, three or four times when I was there, but we just, you know, had a hard time getting over the hump. I know we had Edmonton down three-one in a series, and. Just couldn't yeah. mess under the lid, and he just lit it up, him and Curry. And, you know, so there was, you know, we did have some, um, you know, we did have some success, but not to the success what, uh, obviously, the Oilers or the Flames did when they were winning the Cups. Yeah, I, I did one of these with
1: Smale, Doug Smale, a little while ago. Oh, and, did you? Yeah. yeah, and great guy, nice guy. And, um, you know, same thing. He was just like, the, 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 look at the division we were in. We had good teams at times. And Calgary and Edmonton are there, and they're like all-timers. You know, I mean, for how many years did Edmonton and Calgary won the cup? You know what I mean? Um, straight. So it had to be one of those things where you're just like, no, not these guys again. There's six Hall of Famers over there, right? And I don't know. It, 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 you know, the Jets just were in that division, and that's the way it went. And whenever there was a good team, they still had to, uh, this huge mountain to climb. It must have been frustrating at times.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, hockey players are like, uh, you know, Thorbreds. They're racehorses. They want to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether you're playing Edmonton or Calgary, and, you know, certainly there's, must serve frustration. It was just, uh, you know, you you threw everything you had into the game, and, and uh, it just wasn't good enough. And <laughs> so you had to rejig and do it all over again and yeah. uh, come at the with the mountain again and you know so the, i think it was that kind of uh you know that kind of scenario or that kind of feeling i had anyway you, you yeah you got there you did have some success but it just wasn't good enough yeah what do you so, remember
1: uh, about that three to one series did you remember thinking we got you know, and- i
2: just um, you know we got a couple of breaks in game four or five and you know we just felt that you know, we had obviously control the series, but we also felt that, you know, Edmonton's a pretty explosive team and we're going to see what, you know, obviously what their best game is Mm -hmm. when when their team is in the back, back against the wall. And, you know, they got out of a couple little tight jams in a couple of the games and scored a couple overtime or one overtime goal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a difference. Uh, That was a difference in in the series. And, um, you know, once felt like it was slipping in game 6 or you know <laughs> right. it just it just it just kept slipping <laughs>
1: <laughs> well Gretzky and curry and and everybody else had something to do with that i remember from as a as a as a person watching the series that it seemed like all of a sudden fear was like okay that's it you know we're done Oh, yeah you know and and that's and i just remember him wasn't the greatest, and I think it was a senza for the Jets back then, and um, and fear was just like, yeah, okay, we, we got to really buckle down now, everybody,
2: you know. Yeah, yeah no, those are players that uh, they just had to be, had the ability when things got were on the line. Mm-hmm. They they could just take their game to another level, and uh, and yeah. uh, you know they they just didn't do it once or twice. You know they they did it <laughs> yeah. over you know how many years, right? If right. they really added up, so. You, you know, uh, it's it's fun. It's obviously everybody's competitive, but then on the one sense, you know, you you look back and you know, yeah, I can honestly say that you know I've played against you know some of the best players. Yeah, that are probably going to play the game. You know, Mark Messier and Gretzky and those guys are. You know, they, we all know what they're uh, what those guys did in their career, and and uh, it certainly was uh, fun to play against them.
1: What shot, What stood out for you, especially now, um, again, as a, as a player development skills coach, what stood out for you for Howard Chuck? Like, as a guy that watches the game and nowhere near as knowledgeable as you, he kind of reminded me of Ronnie Francis. He did a, everything very good. You know, Curry was fast and had a shot. And, you know, you look at these guys and they have certain things that stands out in them in their career. But, like, with Howard Chuck, scored 50, put up 100 points every year. Much like Ronnie Francis, maybe a little bit better. A scorer Dale was, but to you now, like what stood out about him? What was what was exceptional on Dale Howardchuck's
2: end? Uh, Dale, he can um, whatever you give him, mm-hmm. whatever the defenseman gives him, whatever the goalie gets him, gives him, he will make the right play. He will. He was very versatile. He could shoot it. He could deke. He could make moves. You know, he had a bunch of tools in his, yeah. in his toolbox that he could use at any given time. And, he, you know, he just had the ability to read the play or read the scenario and, and do the right thing at that time. You know, if there was traffic and there wasn't any room, bang, you would shoot it quickly through a screen and mm-hmm. score. So, you know, it's it's just that high hockey IQ being able to – you know, put the scenario together and figure out quickly what's, you know, to pass yeah. it or shoot it or make a move or, you know, delay. And he just he just had a – there just wasn't one way that I can really remember that Dale consistently beat beat yeah. players. He, he beat players really. from a wide range <laughs> right. of skills.
1: Yeah, because he didn't have a great shot. He wasn't really fast. You know what I mean? But yet – they just made it work, everything, all the time. He got the job yeah. done. Whatever yeah. you give him, he takes. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, you had a nice start to your career, 26 goals in 56 games, 30 goals in the next two years, 25 goals in 60 games, which would have for sure been a 30-goal year. You probably got injured. Um, this is a great start to an NHL career. Why did the Jets trade you? You got traded for John Drews, which, again, I remember thinking, as and and. As a hockey fan, the Jets and my Leafs have made some terrible trades. And looking back on it, it's easy to say and all that. But when you look at the trade for yourself, this kid coming in with these 30 goals, Drews, of course, had we all remember this playoff, but this wasn't an equal trade. So, like, what happened? <laughs> Did you know it was coming?
2: Yeah, you know, that year I got into, um, you know, it's kind of when salary disclosure come out. It yep. was kind of a transition period I should
1: I should have figured this actually Pat this is
2: the, yeah. with the, right. with the um you know with the um
1: good now coming out a transition the,
2: yep. period where you know you walked into the dressing room the salary disclosure everybody knew what everybody was playing mm-hmm. and then you started with arbitration back then I think it was one of the first or second cases uh, i was to go to arbitration after salary disclosure Oh, okay yeah so then you know the jets basically laid it on the line you take this and um at the time myself and the my agent thought that i should be worth this and then you know then bang before you knew it then i was going to get traded it's crazy how it worked back and in the then, day. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's how it worked. So then, you know, there's a lot more trades. There wasn't a salary cap. So, you know, guys can move around pretty mm-hmm. quickly. And um, and then, uh, yeah, no, it, uh, it, that's how it kind of transpired.
1: I don't remember any of that coming out in the public, really. Do you know what I mean? About like, hey, yeah, we, no, we didn't want to pay part. him. Yeah, we didn't want to yeah. pay him, so we're moving him. Because, again, yeah. you're a young guy. Drews is a little older, and you're scoring 30, and you just get traded for him. It's like, gee whiz, guys. You know, I remember thinking, yeah. like, obviously Winnipeg was a small market and all that. You know, they had to watch the budget. But it seemed like they gave up on you a little soon, but now we know. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, did you like your time in Winnipeg? Did you like the arena, living in the city, oh, the cold absolutely. and all that? Like,
2: Yeah, yeah. no, we, I, you know, I'm, uh, A, you know, I had my best years in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. the fans, the whole... Um, you know, playing in the old arena, you know the yeah. street. Um, I'm, I like Winnipeg. I go back to. I'm a fisherman, a walleye fisherman, oh, okay. fisherman. I go back to Lake of the Woods. We had a cabin on Lake of the Woods. I still go back nice. every summer. Yeah, um, you know, so. You know, I guess people compare Winnipeg, I guess, to all the other, obviously the other places, Phoenix or wherever you're comparing it to, but uh, I have no, no yeah. qualms about playing at Winnipeg. I certainly enjoyed my time there.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Having a good time doing it, and uh, thanks to our guys for coming on board over at Righty Board. Righty Board's Power Play Whiteboard is hockey's first restickable portable hockey whiteboard that goes wherever you go. Whether it's needed at one end of the rink or one end of the country, the PowerPlay board sticks to any surface your team needs it. Vivid graphics and a white background on the front, removable, long-lasting, air-free adhesive on the back. Visualization is now your ultimate weapon. It's the most versatile, practical, and simple-to-use whiteboard in the world. Every rink, every team, every coach needs to get a few of these PowerPlay whiteboards and check them out. Use the code PULP at rightyboards.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y, boards.com, to get 15% off your PowerPlay board. All right, back to the show. That would have been Mike Smith, not Fergie, at that point, too, right? Mike Fergie. Yeah, there was a transition
2: yeah, right. there. Uh, Ferguson was a GM, I think, for two or three years when I was there. Uh huh. And then there was a, he got fired, and then Mike Smith took over.
1: What do you think of the, moving to Washington? That's a good team. You had a good good year, forty three, thirty four. Terry Murray, like you said, was the coach. Bondra, Ridley, Hatcher, Ivanka, Dale, Hunter, good team.
2: Yeah, yeah, very good team. Totally different style of play. You know, I ruined with Dale Hunter. Played with Dale Hunter on a line. You know, much more um, gritty game. <laughs> right. You know, more north south game. Uh, so that was a big. You know, I had to adapt to. I think. Back then, the West was a little bit more wide open. Uh-huh. You know, more three on twos, two on ones. There, it's more dump and chase, get in front of the net, crash the net, score goals, greasy. Yeah, yeah. The greasy type. So, uh, you know, say so, you know. Then I, from there, I went to Tampa, and that was expansion moves, right? So yeah. you know, you're just struggling to keep your head above the water when you get into an expansion team. So. Yeah, did
1: you, they, the, the move out of Washington, were you expecting that or was it something? Because, I mean, you had a decent year, 22 goals, you know, um, and then they moved you.
2: Yeah, it was just one of the cases. Like, I was always kind of a second line player. Sure. Yeah. You know, second, third line player. And in Washington, we got off to just a terrible start. Like, I like think we won one game <laughs> okay. and then we dropped nine. So we were one and nine. And that year, you know, everybody had us pegged to, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. do something in the playoffs. So, you know, it always seemed like when the first thing, when they started to talk about making changes, they're well, they either got a couple options. They either got to trade their top-end guys, which they weren't going to do that, or they're going to, you know, there's sometimes trading your bottom-end guys, there's, you know, not enough impact. So they trade the guys in the middle, and I was always one of the guys when I was in Winnipeg or Washington. I kind of played on the second line. Right. So I was one of um... the...
1: Just guys. <laughs> you were well, you were you were good enough that other teams wanted you, but you weren't good enough to be an untouchable, right? Like almost uh, yeah, you, no, you yeah, know, like you sure, weren't yeah. a superstar, but you were a very good player. So it was one that teams wanted you. Um yeah. It's your fault for being that good, I guess. Um <laughs> what do you have any uh stories about Ally Freddy? You have to have some. I've heard so many people tell me. About yeah, big I've Al,
2: he's a beast, you know, <laughs> right? I hit it off pretty good with Al. Uh, you don't really appreciate someone's talent, yeah. you know, truly until you play with them. Like sure. Like, he was just a natural athlete. You know, like, uh, <laughs> he's one of the guys that could shoot the fuck through the net. Uh, skate like you know, crazy. he can take yeah. it out of his end and muscle it out of his end, skate it out of his end. And, you know, he's just a downright likable teammate that would do anything for his teammates and mm-hmm. I certainly enjoyed playing with al and um certainly enjoyed playing with al and uh you know just the way he carried himself and um you know how he played the game it was uh lighting you know, up I, cigarettes in between a, a lot of yeah. memories Lighten yeah, up yeah, cigarettes, no, he, yeah. He, that's al right he right <laughs> uh, he brings it every game and he's um you know, he does what uh, he's a very confident man, and he does what he you know thinks is is right. And you know, at the end of the day, if you're getting the results on the ice, which he did, yep. you know, that's that's when you go pro. That's that's the bottom line. How you do it is is uh, you know, obviously the back and then, or it's not different than today mm-hmm. with the media and social media and all that kind of stuff. Guys really have to yeah, they can't bring exactly themselves me. a little, <laughs> right. little bit different, but you know, at the end of the day, it's basically the same philosophy you gotta you've got this responsibility and this responsibility to win and, mm-hmm. and you gotta go get it done
1: from tampa you went to ottawa just a horrible team rick bonus was the coach expansion team like you said um yeah that's tough right that's a tough deal going to the rink every day and knowing that you really didn't have a chance
2: yeah you get hung up on expansion and um uh, you know they're trying to break in Yashin and Dag, two mm-hmm. young, real young centermen, 18 and 19. You know they drafted them, brought them right in, and um, you know it, it's like you say, you're, yeah. you're playing against teams that have been building for 10, 15, seven, eight years, right? So right. you know they, you're adding pieces. You know you, it's a lot different in junior than pro, and pro, like if you get a Howard Chuck, uh, you know, can keep a guy like that for fifteen years, right? Right. Uh, junior hockey, you got him for three years, and he's got to move on. But in pro, you know, you some of these teams, um, you know, like LA, like the Kopitar's and mm-hmm. the Quicks, or any Chicago Kay, uh, Kane or Tays, you know, they've been with these teams, you know, seven, eight years, and they're they're going to continue to be. Yeah, they them, lock them up. For yep. Another ten, fifteen, you know, however they ever want to play. So you know it's a little bit different when you get into an expansion team competing wise because right. it's uh you know the cycle of the player is a lot longer yeah um you hung
1: it up the next year you played 29 games for Ottawa uh the next year again tough tough deal with the team why'd you why'd you hang it up what what uh you spent a year in the eye with the michigan guys but with, with the k wings why did you decide to hang it up, or you burnt out? I mean, it looked like you still probably had more games left And, you. You know, you'll five hundred games. Um, yeah, I, I how just, was that? Um,
2: tough, tough decision. I kind of said to myself when I wasn't really going to contribute a high, high end in the mm-hmm. National Hockey League, I was going to, you know, get on with my life. And I'm basically, a, I love being a businessman. And before I retired, I was in heavy into real estate and making deals. Oh, okay. And, it was just kind of, I had my career path set out, you know, the day I kind of figured I didn't want to play anymore or wow. didn't feel I could contribute in the NHL. So it was It was a real, just a natural excitement of retirement. I certainly was, you know, I don't want to say sad, you know, I just mm-hmm. recognized that I was done playing this, but on the flip side, you know, the leave of stuff, the game. Yeah. but on the flip side, I'm going to enjoy my life doing this. So mm-hmm. that's kind of... I was just following my passion at the time, and uh, I certainly could have played or held on, or you know, yeah. if there was another round of expansion, you know, there was more or another sixty jobs coming. You know, I probably could have, you know, absolutely, yeah, been around somewhere. But uh, yeah, no, it's just one of those decisions. I don't regret it at all. I, I, uh, my kids ask me that all the time. How came you retired so early? Yeah, so yeah. you know, it, this was one of those things. I was with peace with myself. You would have been thirty. Uh, you would have been thirty. Probably. Yeah, it was 38-31, 30, yeah. I think yeah. was in that kind of mix and um sure. uh, and uh yeah, no it's
1: uh, Huh interesting. Yeah, it's, it's the a
2: decision I made and uh you know I never get it at all and look back and it's been good.
1: I was gonna ask you, yeah, if you had any regrets, but yeah, you don't. So I mean no. three hundred and forty two points in five hundred six games, thirty you know, three thirty goals seasons, that's good. It's great. Um, you know, and, and then yeah, five hundred games only. So, um, and also, too, I guess probably by the end you went from Tampa to Ottawa and you're just like, huh, well, where am I going to go next and where, you know, where am I going to go next and all that? So, um, yeah, you know, yeah
2: look- no, that didn't really bother me that much. Oh, like, okay. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, any day you get up and you're part of the National Hockey League, it's a pretty special time, I think, if you put it sure. into perspective. Um, you know, players, you know, back then a 10 year career was, um, you know, considered pretty. You know, pretty decent career, mm-hmm. pretty long career. I think now with fitness and training and nutrition, guys can extend their careers. You know, another five, seven, you know, guys are playing a little bit longer, yep. I think, now. Right. So, you um, know, different times, different variables in the in the decisions, for sure.
1: Is there, we talked a little bit about Ally Frady and obviously Howard Chuck and stuff, but of all the guys you played with, is there somebody, sorry, one or two guys that were, maybe didn't reach their potential but you saw them in practice every day and they and talking again as a skills coach had incredible skills. Um do, do a couple of guys come to mind that you were like, Man, if that guy didn't get injured, if he would have um maybe committed more to the game, et cetera, et cetera, he could have really done something? Is there, you know, a couple of guys that stand out for you in any of these teams?
2: Um, you know, there's you know, in hockey, you know, you need you need the speed, mm-hmm. you need the skills. Uh, you need the hockey sense and you need the compete level. You know, so there's a lot of things that have to come together to play in the National Hockey League. Right. You know, and I think the sooner you recognize that and, um, you know, you recognize players that maybe didn't have the compete level or didn't have the hockey sense, you know, so they are were held back a little bit or didn't end up playing any or a lot of games in the National Hockey League. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: I don't really think over time, you know, I I, I can never say that, you know, this player should have played and did this because he was there you know maybe right. there was a flaw in his game and you know at the end of the day you play long enough players separate themselves sure I'm pretty firm believer in that you know maybe on the short term you know a year or two years you know players you know with with, with the salary cap or whatever the mm-hmm. reason is you know you may not be firing on all cylinders, or cylinders, or be in this position you should be. But over time, I think the game does a pretty good job of uh, weeding people the players out yeah, by yeah. themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, you played. We played
1: with the Capitals. So you played a games games against Mario, and obviously the the Jets and Gretzky. What's your yeah. memories of those two, and and how? I mean, obviously you you were a winger, so you didn't have to worry about stopping them so much, checking them. But what? Just incredible human skill machines, I guess. Just and it, two different types of guys, right? Two different. I mean, Mario's massive, and Wayne, Wayne, pretty small
2: guy. Yeah, the way the way I would kind of Wayne Gretzky, there could be, you know, there's five five variables on the ice, and all the variables are going at 35 kilometers an hour per se.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He can pick the right variable every time, mm-hmm. like his sense of where the game's at, where the puck is, where the players are positioned, all that kind of stuff. Yep. It was just a treat to see every night. Maryland, you, uh playing against him um, from a skill perspective, never seen anything like it. Skate, deke, protect the puck, yeah. like his balance. You know, you could never knock him off the puck. <laughs> his quickness, his reach, you know, all yeah. the things skill-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that could go one-on-three and you know score yeah he's a threat one on 3 let alone one on one so you know i just uh you know sometimes i you know the memories will come back and you'll say wow i can't <laughs> believe i was in that position to actually experience yeah. what it was like to play against a guy with those talents and you know obviously those guys have rewritten the, the record book a few times so uh as a skills coach you
1: could just put on mario dvd highlights and be like here you go yeah. kids everybody <laughs> be six foot yeah. four have this stick that no one can get to you know what i mean so and strong
2: right like, oh really, yeah i don't think he was a really big guy but right. when you went and battled him and you felt the strength and you felt the you know what you're up against it was incredible
1: what was your best game in the league? Is there a game that stand out where you scored a hat trick or four or anything like that?
2: Did you ever... Actually, it was, uh, we were playing Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, okay. or in uh, Winnipeg, and yep. I don't know, the first period it was a tie or one goal or whatever, and then sure. in the second period um, – I ended up getting five points in one period and ran 6-1, oh, wow. six, six, I think, or 6-2. And it was against Pittsburgh. It was against Maryland. Yeah. It was coming to town. <laughs> yes. And, you know, uh, the big show, I, you know, I think uh, Pittsburgh uh, back then, they only visited uh, Winnipeg yeah. once every two years, or I'm not quite sure. Yeah. On that fact. Yeah. But anyway, it, you know, everybody in Winnipeg obviously wanted to see Mario, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm, and, you know, I think you he had one or two goals that game as well. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's probably my Five points game. in a period. And, uh, Jeez, yeah. Yeah, and then Barry Shanko, the owner, after the game, uh, he came down after the game, mm-hmm. and uh, he gave me his tie. Oh. So geez. that's kind of my lucky tie that I got, and <laughs> I still got the tie, and I got my boys in hockey, or Hudson, my youngest one, plays in Spokane. And, uh-huh. Uh, every time that he's in a little bit of slumper needs a goal. or needs a good game. I tell him to pull out the lucky tie,
1: <laughs> <laughs> pull out Shankarose tie. A lot of yeah, people, a lot of, a lot of people, in Winnipeg would like to set that on fire around that time. Um, <laughs> you know, he wasn't. I don't know why he was. I'm sure he was a nice guy to you, but yeah. Um, you know, when, when the Jets left, people people were not happy with Barry. So.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no business decision. Yep. Was
1: there a goalie that had your number? Uh, somebody that stood out? I mean, obviously, maybe Fure is the easy answer. but um, was Yeah, there? I had
2: a pretty good run with Fure. Okay. Probably, you know, scored a few nice yep. goals. I had a fairly good run against Patrick Waugh. Probably mm-hmm. Dominic uh, Hasek was hard to score against. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just never could read him. Like, he, he did some unorthodox things that just kind of surprised you, and you just... Mm-hmm. One of those things when he threw you off guard a little bit and the puck just didn't get in the net.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Who the, was the best goalie you played with in your career? Was there a guy that stood out? I looked, uh, at, I looked at
2: I played looked at, against Don Beaupre. Yeah. Don was pretty good, right, kind of hard in his career. Bob Asenza was, uh, you know, uh, was was pretty good in mm-hmm. certain uh, moments in his career when he was getting through his peak of his career. Um Trying to think
1: that was yeah, a I did one of these with Beaupre a little while ago too. Um, yeah. he, really nice guy. He was he's, he's getting ready to play for the uh, Minnesota North Stars alumni there in the in the game oh, coming awesome. up. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, how much do you uh, play in the old timer stuff, or do you do anything? Or, I'm um, well being Calgary
2: here. The Calgary Flames alumni are very. Um, but you're a Jet, uh, Pat. You're not. A I know Flame. I'm a Jet, but they're open to the <laughs> you know anybody that plays NHL. Oh, okay. Can be part of the alumni, so they. Yep. Uh, you know they uh, open it up to. Uh, to other uh, NHL guys. So, uh, yeah, I know I play with the alumni a little bit and do a little bit of games down there. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun being yeah. a skills coach and doing some of that right now. Yeah. I'm on the ice a lot. So sure. I don't play uh, overly too much, but try to get out six or seven times a,
1: a season. Who's the alumni that still has it, that hasn't lost it? Maybe it's
2: you. Oh, you Eddie McDonald McDonald conceals can still shoot the puck. Really? Good. Still? <laughs> yeah, he's got that natural <laughs> release. And, yeah, yeah. Pretty fun to watch uh, watch him out there at times. Joel Otto's another one. you know. Oh, Joel Otto. Yeah. yeah, Big guy. Still. Those guys
1: around, yeah. You were like, hey, guys, I remember, could you have taken it easy back when I was a Jet? Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, I, we got some good, Jamie McCowan, we always have a few laughs here and there. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> playing against each other. I really, uh, I don't like the fact that I know how it works. Phoenix has, uh, Phoenix, you know, the Jets moved to Phoenix, but they have all the records and all the Steen's jersey and Howard Chuck's jersey. And, of course, the Thrashers are now in Winnipeg. And they need to give the records back to the to the Jets, you know? I don't know how that works. I guess you can't really do that. But I don't like the fact that Phoenix has all the Jets records and the Jets have Thrashers records, you know?
2: I don't know. That's oh, yeah, me. I never thought of it that way. But right. Yeah, I, know it, uh, I don't like that. Yeah, I know it's, it's a little bit. It was a Thrashers team that came back to Winnipeg, so it's kind of a unique, uh, yeah. unique scenario. It wasn't a true expansion team. It was a... Uh, you know, it was a team from the past, and the other team moved out to the right. you know, so I, I, I get
1: it. When you look at the Winnipeg Jets' record for most points in a period, your name is not listed there. It's probably some thrasher. You know? Oh yeah, so, I guess it would be in Phoenix. <laughs> right, that's what I mean. That's, that's, that's bullcrap. Anyways, <laughs> uh, hey Pat, thank you for doing this. Pat Ellinuk Hockey Development um, You're a skills coach in Calgary, so if anybody uh, look you up needs uh, needs some help with the uh, any level of player, you can you can do it. Thank you for taking your time for us for this podcast. It's a nice little trip down memory lane. Thanks very much. Oh, appreciate it. It's great interview. Great, thanks, Pat. Great. Bye. Bye.